welcome back to another episode of the Ignite Project podcast. I'm Summer Holtzauer, and today I'm joined by Paul Peterson. Paul Hello. works at um, Southwest Middle School, and he is doing really, really awesome things over there. Paul, how long have you been at Southwest, and what are you teaching? I've been teaching art at Southwest for, this is my 23rd year. That's awesome. I had a chance to go and visit Paul in his classroom and talk to some of his students recently. And um, his classroom is just so amazing. It's one of those rooms where you go in and I know you're an art teacher, but it almost doesn't even feel like an art um, classroom. It almost feels like just a creative studio to be in. And you can just tell that um, your students get a chance to be really creative and a chance to um, try things that they like. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what they do in your class? Well, first of all, with the classroom, it was the school's old industrial arts classroom, and I inherited that after Mr. Geiger retired, and um, they've never rebuilt that position, so the classrooms have been mine for a number of years now. Um, In my class, I generally teach studio art one, two, and three. My beginning classes focus on elements and principles of art. My advanced classes are two and three. They do everything from build portfolios to apply for Harrison to learning about the business of art. And we, uh, we've set up a silkscreen shop in there, and we make skateboards. That is awesome. So definitely the skateboards is what I want to talk about, because when you walk into your classroom, you definitely notice the skateboards, and um, that's kind of become your thing. So can you tell us how you got into skateboarding and how skateboarding became something that you do with your students? Well, I grew up in Orlando, and I've been surfing as long as I can remember. And my friends and I being landlocked as kids, we wanted to get the same feeling of surfing, but the only way we could do it was skateboarding. So we would find the steepest driveways in the neighborhood and drop in and throw uh, throw a couple carves down and so on. When I was 11, I was skating over to a friend of mine's house to go to a football game. and. A dog from down the street wanted to play catch, and last thing I remember, he was running at me. Apparently, I fell backwards and fractured the back four inches of my skull. So after that, (laughs) after that, I quit skateboarding for a couple years, and then as I was ending middle school, going into high school, my friends and I got into windsurfing again. The lakes in Orlando only work for certain wind directions, so we would watch all these windy days pass us by. And one of my friends suggested, let's put a 15-foot-tall windsurfing sail on a 32-inch skateboard. It didn't work very well, so I suggested going up in my grandfather's wood shop and let's grab some scrap wood and make our own skateboards. And we were making skateboards four to six feet long, and I've been clocked at over 53 miles an hour on that. Oh, my goodness. In lots of large parking lots after dark and so on. That kind of got me back into the skateboarding thing. And in the 90s, longboards got popular. I started riding those a lot more and built a few through college. And I'd always wanted to get my kids involved in the skateboarding Um the last recession, 2007, 8, 9, and 10, 
I lived a mile from the school, and I didn't want to drive a full-size truck a mile to get to work. Very understandable. So I, I would just not longboard to school, and Southwest had a kind of a infamy with skateboarding at that time, and we had a few skaters that would come up super in super early in the morning before anyone got there and so we got to know each other really well and I'd always wanted to bring skateboards into the classroom so in 2014 um, Lakeland was one of the host cities for a program called Innoscate through the Smithsonian Institute and it coincided with the opening of Lake Bonnie Park the Polk Museum of Art helped sponsor it and we had a lot of skaters from all around the country come to Lakeland and as part of that the Polk Museum put on a show with boards from a program called Create a Skate. And now we, uh, we found a place to get boards that my students couldn't paint on. So we started with that and we supplied, I think, three quarters of the show that year. And then day one, the next year, kids were coming back. When can we make skateboards? When can we do oh, skateboards? That's so cool. I love that. Um, you were actually building skateboards probably when you were around their same age, yes. and it's something that you introduced in, to them. That's great. So Create a Skate, that's a program where students get a board, or how does that work? Well, the Create a Skate program was developed by Paul Schmidt a number of years ago. He owns PS Sticks, which is the largest skateboard manufacturer in North America. He makes all the skateboards for all the um, major companies around the country. So he started this as a way to give back to students and get them skating and working on skateboards and learning a little bit about it. And the way I do it is I have students have to meet three tenets to the program. First, they have to have good discipline and they have to maintain a C or better in my class. But then the third thing is they have to earn the money themselves, which makes it an option for students. So if students don't want to do a skateboard, they, uh, they can still do art and still get a good grade and so on. But all the students who want to, they have to go out and earn the money, oh, raking awesome. leaves, cutting lawns, babysitting, whatever they, uh, they do. And they've got all year to do it. So I... Uh, I charge $25 per skateboard, which covers the skateboard and the shipping, and gives us a, a dollar or two per skateboard left for materials. But after the first year of doing the Create a Skate program, kids wanted to come back and do all kinds of boards, from long boards to um, downhill to land paddling to cruisers, and it's not cost it's cost prohibitive for us to buy all those different skateboards because then we'd be paying a hundred to maybe three or four hundred dollars per skateboard so i took what i knew about skateboarding from the mid to late 80s through the 90s and we built a press we started pressing our own skateboards um and just not really, it, it flew off from there. It started as a way to get kids something they're interested to paint on rather than a canvas or a board yeah. or drawing on paper. But then it went from 
that to like, okay, I'm going to teach you the design of this. What kind, uh, what kind of writing do you want to do? And let's design oh, a board so cool. for that. Yeah. And it, it's been just a lot of fun. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm pulling in all the other subjects. We've gotten a couple of them. Um, Steam grants um, won some competitions and so on. So that's helped finance yeah. the program. I think that's a great way to even just describe the atmosphere in your classroom is that you are pulling all the subjects together. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, when I walked in, you could tell that there's so much more going on than just art. I could see your screen printing mm-hmm. stuff. I could see um, you know, just tools that you had around as well as lots of skateboards. <laughs> Um, and it was really just such a great environment to be in. Um, so that's really neat that you're kind of pulling it all together. Um, something else that I know kind of stuck out was when you were talking about um, different skateboards that you had made, uh, you actually challenged your students with a cardboard skateboard. Yes. That- so a couple of years ago, I saw a video on YouTube where Paul Schmidt got together with Tony Hawk and a cardboard manufacturer, and they um, vacuum-sealed layers of cardboard with epoxy resin. And Paul Schmidt made them into skateboards, and Tony Hawk rode them, and they're just slightly heavier than a traditional um, Canadian maple skateboard. So I looked at that and thought, that's kind of a cardboard skateboard, but really it's an epoxy yeah, skateboard. Yeah, they're so <laughs> I, uh, I challenged my students to make a um, skateboard that I, at over 200 pounds, uh, could ride consistently, and they did it on the second try. They're, they're allowed to have cardboard and Elmer's glue, and that was it. And um, so uh, they... They engineered it. We uh, we pressed it and cut it out like a traditional skateboard. I rode it for a while, but cardboard and glue is not going to last very long. So I wanted to see if we could bring our cost of skateboards down because I charged $25 for the students who are doing the creative skateboards, but then the students who are doing custom longboards, I'm still trying to keep the cost relatively cheap, and we still do those at $25. So we went through a little bit of brainstorming that year, and we decided we're going to try and make skateboards out of pallet wood because there are just lots of old pallets around. So I ended up hooking up with a former client of mine, Randy Schulhofer, who worked at a a, um, pallet recycling plant. He donated a ton of wood for us. And it was nice because it was different woods from different trees. And we shaved them down to an eighth of an inch thick on a... um, on a planer and we laminated them together and we were able to bring the cost of a skateboard down to a little over a dollar per skateboard. That is so crazy. I just like, it is so interesting how this one thing that was like a personal passion of yours, skateboarding, has just kind of snowballed into like this whole entire program Mm -hmm. for the students at your school and they're just learning so much. I mean, just in what you explained alone, that's problem solving. I can definitely hear like the math and science and everything else in, in it as well. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I had a couple of girls last year griping about algebra class. When are we going to use this? So I happen to be um, working on a board for a client who's a former student skater and now a teacher in Polk County. Um, and we, uh, 
I had the girls uh, help me test the flex of the skateboard. So we started out with the smallest girl at 70 pounds, another girl at 90 pounds, yeah. another girl at 115 pounds, and another student at 150 pounds. And then I stood on it, and we found it formed a perfect parabola. They graphed it on the X and Y axis. I, mean, yes. I made them find the mathematic equation for it, posted it on Instagram. It was a trip. That is great. Okay, every single math teacher out there, you need to bookmark this section of the podcast um, so you can play it back to your students because that's really, that's a great real-life example of how you could use it. So Absolutely. That's awesome. So if you could pick um, one area in education to spark change and ignite a shift in behavior and mindsets, what would that be? Well, it's actually two areas I've kind of found with skateboarding. First of all, a number of years ago when I started this, uh, the Polk mission statement talked about rigor and relevance, and students were getting a ton of rigor, but the skateboarding really brought in the relevance with what they're interested in right now. So you know, that was a good combination of the two, and I was able to pull in other subjects to, uh, to treat the student more holistically rather than, okay, we're just doing this in art class and we're only going to talk about art. We talk about science, technology, mathematics, engineering, and I give them real-world problems to solve, and then they get to paint on it and then write it. Then um, the other thing I've, I've seen teaching middle school for so long is students at, at that age are really trying to figure themselves out where they fit yes, into definitely. and they uh, they tend to fall into cliques whatever um most appeals to them mm -hmm. and I found at our school, um, we have a number of populations that are segregated because of disabilities or language barriers and so on, and they're, they're kind of separated from the, the group. So as I've started to skate with my students and teach my students how to skate, I've pushed my students to go and invites uh, some of these segregated groups uh, to join us and learn how to skate with us. That's and so awesome. So we, uh, we've gotten our uh, deaf ed students and their teachers and some interpreters out um, a couple of times. We, uh, we reached out the past couple of years to our ELL students, especially after, um, oh, the earthquake in Haiti. We had oh, a couple yeah. of Haitian students who only sp spoke Creole. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of students who only speak Spanish. And so we, uh, we would get them out. And my, uh, my art club students, they would have to learn, they would have to break their own language barriers and learn how to communicate. How do you talk to someone who can't hear you? How do you, uh, how do you talk to someone who speaks a different language? And that's stuff that's going to take them further in life. But then also, I'm hoping that it'll cut down on some of the bullying, teasing, yeah. and so on. That's not just typical of middle school. Yeah. And I, I've actually heard, heard a couple of stories from my students about how, how they told some friends to knock it off or whatever. And um, I'm, I'm really glad to see that they're stepping up. Yeah. It sounds like you're really creating a space for just everyone to make a connection in your classroom and you're giving them a lot of different opportunities to connect, whether it's through art, whether it's through skating, whether it's through, you know, just wanting to be in that environment. And Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Um, thank you so much for, for sharing all of this with us. Um, could you tell people how to connect with you? Because the artwork that your students are doing on these boards is absolutely amazing. And I noticed that they um, almost always want to make the boards like a representation of themselves. When I was talking to your class, oh, yes. I thought that was so cool. It yeah, was absolutely. like, oh, this um, this flower represents my name. Or, you know, there was, it was always like yeah, a piece absolutely. of them. It was really cool, and I really highly recommend everyone to um, to check you out. Do you have any um, social media um, platforms that yes, they can look I, at? Yes, I have um, grade 8 skateboards at Instagram. That's uh, something I do just in, uh, just for skateboarding and for my students. Um, you can message me on grade 8 skateboards, or you can email me at the, uh, through the school board email at paul.peterson at polk-fl.net. Um, and I, I've worked with a couple of other teachers who, uh, who have asked me about bringing this into their art classroom, but I, I'd love to hook up with some science teachers, some math teachers, and yeah. really have some fun with this. That sounds so awesome. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, viewers and listeners at home, be sure to check out our other episodes. We're so excited. We are in season three of the Night Project podcast. And we're looking forward to some future episodes that we have. If you are interested in being in an episode, be sure to reach out to us at Teacher Engagement. Um, we would love to have you on. Paul, thank you again. Thank and you so much. you'll have a great day. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the Ignite Project on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the Ignite Project and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, go to polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.